probably more than a week after they, Jesus appears in the room with locked doors and an interesting thing happens because it says here, later, Jesus appeared again to the disciples beside the Sea of Galilee. This is how it happened. Several of the disciples were there. Simon Peter, Thomas the twin, Nathaniel from Cana, Cana uh, in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples. There, and I get this, they're in the upper room locked, and they've been there a long time, and they're terrified. They're terrified, because we're next. They're gonna come and get us next. They're absolutely terrified. And so at end of the day, it's classic Simon Peter's basically gonna say, I can't do this anymore. Let's go fishing. And, and it, it's just such a funny scene. And he says it in verse three. He said, Simon Peter said, I'm going fishing. We'll come too, they, they all said. Uh, so they went out in the boat, but they caught nothing all night. Now we know from multiple commentaries, you fish the Sea of Galilee at night. You don't fish it during the day. That's why the, there are times when they're coming in after a long night of fishing where Jesus is speaking uh, at the Sea of Galilee and, uh, and they're cleaning their boat and they're exhausted and they're getting ready to go home. And it's that one time where I think it was Peter, James and John, and I have to believe Peter says to James and John, don't go around, don't go around, because this is the time that Jesus says, can I get in your boat? And it's just like, oh. And then he, Jesus says, push out, because the people are getting closer and closer, push out always uh, to teach. And they push out and they finish, and Peter says to him, I think it's in Luke chapter four or five, Peter says to him, I mean, Jesus says to Peter, put out again and let out your nets. And there's such a great verse. Master, we worked hard all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your bidding, we'll do it. Um, boy, the commentators are different on this because uh, R.C. Sproul thinks it's sarcasm. R.C. Sproul thinks it's, it's uh, Peter saying to Jesus, look, that was a great message. Why do pastors think they know something about everything? You know nothing about fishing. Do you, do you see any boats out there? There's no boats out there. You fish the Sea of Galilee at night. But you know what? Sit still. We'll show you. And they catch so many fish, the net begins to break. The, this whole thing, I don't know what to do. I'm confused. I didn't see it going this way. I thought you were going to take over, Jesus. Now you're gone. And, and, and we haven't seen you for a while. We don't know what to do with ourselves. And so they, they went out. So they went out, but they caught nothing all night at dawn. The disciples saw Jesus standing on the beach, but they couldn't see who he was. He called out, friends, have you caught anything? No, they replied. Then he said, throw your net on the right-hand side of the boat, and you'll get plenty of fish. This blows me away that they did. I, you just want to know if anybody's looking at anybody. Um, but you know what? Maybe because he's up on an incline, he can see what's going on in the water, and the fact that we're on the water, we can't see it. So they did, and they couldn't draw in the net because there were so many fish in it. It's just such a beautiful scene, but it's a scene of vantage point. Whether he was on an incline or couldn't see, or, oh, it's Jesus anyway, so he has a vantage point in my life, in your life, that he can see things coming because... It, it, it says in, in Psalm 139, uh, he wove you together in your mother's womb. Your days were written before you were. I don't know what that means. I mean, it seems to me there's an elaborate something on each of us. This is what's going to happen today. This is the day the Lord's made. This is the, don't blow this opportunity, Bob. Don't blow this opportunity. And, and so many different things. He, 
Bob, this is, you were made for this. So my, um, one of my mentors is, is Dr. Wendell Hawley. He's the editor-in-chief of Tyndall House Publishers, and he had me up to, to speak in Chicago, and it was hilarious. And, and the Midwest is different from the rest of us. And so he introduces me, and he's talking about Sheridan House, and then he said, Bob Barnes is the most average guy I've ever seen doing great things for Christ. Uh, but his personality would not work here in the Midwest. It works down in, and he didn't say abrasive South Florida. He stopped short of that, but in South Florida. And we went out to eat, and I said, that was a hilarious introduction. And he said, you know, I meant it. You're right where you're supposed to be. You're doing exactly what you're supposed to be doing. And most of the time, I, I feel like when we talk on the phone, you know how far over your head you are. And most of the time, and I hope you never change, most of the time you know the things that go on, uh, you're as, as surprised and shocked as anybody on these blessings. Just keep, and he didn't say these words, but just keep in mind he has the vantage point. He has the vantage point in you too. Yeah, Don, Jesus saw them from the beach. Friends, have you caught anything? No, no. Well, I'm gonna help you then. Throw out your net on the right-hand side. I'm surprised that quickly they did. I, just like that. And when they did, just like that. I, I, I think there's times, like I remember years and years and years ago uh, to our church on a Sunday night, to Sheridan Hills Baptist Church, an orphan's choir from Africa came and sang. And uh, I'm listening, and it's awesome, and they're taking an offering, and I said to Rosemary, I'm gonna take the envelope home and think about it. And she says, what are you thinking? And it was interesting because when I heard him sang and I heard their story, I was thinking this number. And I got home and I don't know what happened to that number, um, but it kind of got smaller and smaller as I thought about it. You know, I don't really know what they do with their money. Are they audited? And it was amazing the excuses I could come up with to give this number over a period of time. And just do it. Just do it. He's got it. You know the story of, of us coming down Flamingo Road, going back to New Testament on Griffin, you know, on Griffin coming up. And uh, because Rosemary's car was there, because I did the early morning service at, at uh, Masters Academy campus, and then went down to Miami to do theirs, and then coming back, Rosemary would join me there, and we'd drive down together. And um, as we're coming up Flamingo to turn onto Griffin, there is a Muslim lady with two little children. Please help me pay my rent. And, uh, um, I, you know, I don't do this ever, but I, I wanted to be a testimony for Christ and gave her 20 bucks. And I'm getting ready to say this is from Jesus. And she grabbed my arm, uh, which terrified me, and said, thank you in the name of Jesus Christ. I thought, wow. So get Rosemary's car, she's following me home. I pull into the public shopping center to Bank of America, and she's calling me, what are you doing? You're getting more money, aren't you? And I said, yeah, that was amazing. So I got a bunch of money. And I came driving up here and, and gave it to her, and she burst into tears, and, and I'm crying, and I went home, and Rosemary, I called Rosemary, and she said, um, I know you gave her a Sheridan House card, right? So she can come and get help. Oh, no, I didn't. Rosemary, I can't go a third time. It's like I'm stalking her now. Would you? And it's just a couple miles from her house. She said, I'll go do it. And she pulls up and call, gets to the intersection and calls and says, she's gone. I said, what do you mean she's gone? She's gone. What does that mean? She said, well, either you gave her what, exactly what she needed for her rent, 
or it was Jesus testing you and out of there. And she said, I hope you're really generous. And it's like, wow, that was a test, wasn't it, Lord? Bob, all that you have. And, and oh, you have food in your pantry and food in your refrigerator. Wow. Yeah, throw out your net on the right hand. And they did. And it's God screaming, because I have the vantage point of your life. I know. I know, I know. So they did. This, this is going to be the beginning of the life changer for these guys. This is going to be the thing that sends them out. And these guys went out. I mean, we call Thomas Doubting Thomas. He walked to India. And when he got to India, spread the gospel in India, they butchered him. They tortured him. One of them made it all the way down to Ethiopia. And they tied him to a stake. He's still sharing the gospel with one of the disciples. And peeled the skin off his body until he died. These guys knew, hey, Paul, if I have to die, it's all for me. No, if I get to die, if I have to live, if I get, if I get to die. Yeah, they saw him there, still pondering their future without Christ, but they're learning. First lesson, you're never alone. You are never alone. No matter how dark and dreary it appears out there, you are never alone, ever, ever, ever alone. Ever alone. And you gotta know you got to know you. I know me that the times the evil one likes to get me discouraged about something is 9 o'clock at night in the car, driving up out of a bad meeting at a church in Miami, uh, didn't go well, didn't see it going that bad, then it went horrible, and just driving up and asking, I mean, I literally asked Jesus, where were you? I could have gone so where were you? And um, I didn't hear this, but sort of did. Bob, who made you the church messiah? What do you, you expect to go down there and do a little dance? And but This church has been in trouble for decades. Stop. Yeah, but I know if the evil one's going to attack and discourage me, it's driving back from a bad meeting. Uh, always out of Miami, by the way. I, 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 yeah, I know why you live in Miami. Yeah, and, and just, ow. Yeah, yeah. Know you, know you, know you. You've got to know you. Yeah, number two, second lesson. Jesus has a better vantage point on my situation than I do. I'm in the dark. So we were talking about um, Asheville, Asheville Airport, and your piece of property up there, and tons of woods. My little house uh, in North Carolina uh, has woods. It's terrifying. Uh, I don't know what it is. I grew up in a city all my life. I don't go out after dark. Um, and I've never known dark like that dark. Um, I, I mean, it's, I bought a gun. Um, and why, is that you, Father? Oh. I bought a gun, and uh, the worst thing was, did the light up the driveway once and saw a bear coming down the driveway. Done. We're done here. Um, and it's just, it's just amazing. And Rosemary said to me one night, she said, you know, sometimes you're weird up here. And uh, we, but we all know I'm weird all the time. And, and she said, you act more nervous here than in South Florida. I, and I said, I love South Florida. I get it. I grew up in New York City. I understand South Florida. She said, so you think Jesus protects us less in North Carolina than down here? which I turned off my hearing aid, so I didn't have to listen to her anymore. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man, he has the vantage point. 
He has the vantage point of your life. He knows. He knows, Bob, let it go. You have this little security issues. Yeah, throw your nets on the other side. So they did. Third lesson, do what God tells you to do. Don't trust you. Trust God. Don't trust you. Trust God. Do what God tells you to do, period. And, and I think one of the advantages, uh, interesting for Rosemary. Rosemary, uh, born in 19... And immediately, her dad was at Princeton. Immediately, they went. They heard MacArthur, and they went to be missionaries in post-World War II Japan. The Japanese had never seen anybody with blue eyes. She's got beautiful blue eyes. And little kids at school thought she was deaf. I mean, blind, because of her blue eyes. And, uh, and the... the horrors going on there uh, but you know outdoor plumbing I mean it was major rural and a complete trust in God that the supplies would arrive that they needed to take care of them period and why, why it was just such a faith builder and then making all their own clothes um, and she made all her own clothes uh, all through high school and college and it's hilarious. And was homecoming queen in high school, homemade clothes, uh, homecoming court at our university, homemade clothes, and never felt bad about it. Uh, kind of proud about it. Yeah, and so living that kind of faith has been so good for me because I grew up in a home where, where this is what you counted on. And my dad saying, Bobby, money makes the world go round. And having to get past that, realizing, you know, and, and New, new staff, who, especially if you come from a church staff to here, where Don said one day, I, Don, our CFO, was the CFO at, at Calvary Chapel, and he said, I, I, I just realized there's no offerings here. Where does the money come from? And I know what you're going to say, and this, this gives me no comfort. You're going to say you don't know. I, well, I don't know. He said, that gives me no comfort at all that you don't know. Oh, isn't it better? It's better. It's better. Why? Why do we often trust our own instincts rather than what we know God wants us to do? Why do we? Why do I? I know I'm waiting a long time for you to fix this or do this or take care of this, and and and, and all, you know, and I got, I know a verse is in there somewhere. If it's to be, it's up to me. Um, not. Nah. Um, so, any thoughts? Why do we often tr trust? Our own instincts. I mean, I have my own little list, but pride. Pride. Yeah. That, Control. Oh, oh, you're going down my list. This is irritating. Pride. And we act like. Control. We act like we want control, but we don't really. I want him to be in control. I want him to be in control. And especially the American male, we've been taught to be in charge, be in control, and what he has to do regularly to break us down. And I've wasted 10 years, my first 10 years at Sheridan House, because I was going to rescue Sheridan House. We were going under annual budget. My first year was 49,000, three other staff, had to, had to fire two of them because they were harsh with the children. Rosemary and I moved in as house parents. I hated it here. And uh, begging God, can you find me someplace else to work? And this will shock you. No one else wanted me. I was stuck here. 
um, and 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 just watching it, and it's almost like God, God wait, get out of the way, let you get out of the way, work with the boys, do your thing, and I always son, you have so much pride that you're afraid to ask people to make donations. Stop, stop. Yeah, I think one of them. Sometimes we get tired. The journey's tiring. I'm just kind of. These are kind of my list. Tiring. I think another one on my list is impatient. Impatient. I think another one is I trust you, but sometimes I'm fearful of what you're going to. And the evil one loves to isolate you and make you feel alone, feeling alone in the journey, feeling alone. And the other one, which, which if I were to rewrite it, uh, letter E, I would make it control. I, I have caught off guard, but the better word is control probably, control. And for me, uh, F, uh, I would, I'm, F is blank, but I would write in pride. Um, but I think there's another one, and the other one is, is sin in my life, and I'm away from God. There's, there's sin in my life, and I'm away from God. I'm away from God. You know, I just looked out the window, and that little girl just put her two in the car and driving off to put, take them to school. So cool. In her little white car. I, I think, I think I, I, if I'm not careful, that, that's why the halftime show played into our visualness from Satan. You know, when God said to, Abe, said to Adam, it's not good for man to be alone, I'm going to send him a helper. And helper in Hebrew doesn't mean an assistant. It means a rescuer. It's such a great word. I'm going to... And so he says, Adam, I'll put you to sleep, basically, and when you wake up, you're going to have a helper. If I'm Adam, I'm thinking it's going to be a 240-pound guy who's going to carry the tools in the garden and do the wheelbarrow thing, I, because I've never seen a female. But don't you want to get to heaven and take out the DVD on when he wakes up and sees her? And she is naked, by the way. He wakes up and sees her. Oh, my. Because he's visual. Wow, didn't see this coming. Wow. Um, uh, are you in the garden or am I alone with her, Lord? I, wow. Yeah. The power she had. You know, and she did have power. Naked. Here, you want an apple? Take this apple with me. Uh, yeah, I'll take a grapefruit, whatever you want. Yeah. I, the, the, the picture here, sin gets you away from God. Sin gets you away from God. And when I'm away from God, I, I don't feel the nudging and the pointing. The nudging and the pointing. Fourth lesson here. Trust that God has your best in his plans. Trust that God has your best. Yeah, and for these guys, I love it. Okay, we're not hiding anymore. And they're going to realize in a minute it's Jesus. And it's going to be so cool when they realize it's Jesus. But there's a lot of trusts in this. We didn't see it going like this. We saw Jesus, we saw you become King Jesus. Well, I did, just not King of Israel. I've been King of everything. I left the throne for you guys. I'm going back. But I'm planting in you a, uh, a, a chip called the Holy Spirit. And as you do this, and read this, and feel, oh, okay, okay. 
fifth lesson. You have to first trust God for the little daily things before you can grow to learn to trust him with every area of your life. With every area of your life. That's, honestly, that's the verse. I mean, I, I don't know that I do it every Bible study, but pretty close. My job, I have a job. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. The battle is, but and, and don't lean on your own understanding. Don't depend on your own understanding. Trust God, not you. And how do I do that? i got to seek your will in everything I do. And what happens? He will direct your path. Isn't that all we want? He will direct your path. So early, 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 uh, we're building our first uh, boys' home in 1979 over on the old campus. And I write a guy who's a huge uh, lumber person. I don't even know what you call him. Makes trusses down in Miami. And I go uh, send a letter. Uh, we're building, building. Can I come talk to you about donating trusses? And he says, yes. And I come down. And uh, basically an hour later, he says, now we're not going to donate the trusses. Which I'm like, why'd you say yes to this meeting? Uh, and I'm driving back up. And uh, wondering what's going on and discouraged. And I come into the office over on the old canvas. And my admin, Lillian, says, there's a man named Gene Wooden who called. Uh, I said, I know that name. She said, apparently, his secretary called. He wants to talk to you. Apparently, uh, he owns Causeway Lumber um, over in Fort Lauderdale. So uh, I call Mr. Wooden. And he said, uh, I understand you're, he said, I understand you're building a building. And I said, uh, yes, sir, can I ask how you found out? He said, Judge Fisher, Judge Gene Fisher. And I were at lunch, and he said, you're building your first building. Do you have plans? I said, yes, sir. He said, can you come over? I said, now? And he said, whenever you want. I said, I'm coming now. And so I went over, and he took the plans out to somebody, and uh, we had a cup of coffee. And a few minutes later, uh, they called Mr. Wooden out, of, out into his outer lobby. And uh, he came back in and said, we're going to donate all the trusses. And uh, he, he said, you look shocked. And I said, well, I've just been to Miami asking for him earlier this morning and got turned down. And quite honestly, I'm driving back up saying to myself, I don't want to ask for things anymore. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And it's been interesting, the further in the journey, the longer sometimes Jesus lets it take to get me to trust. That particular instance, I needed response in an hour. I was very discouraged and immature. And then the longer you go, and the longer you go, and the longer you go, and in, in you're trusting him, the more he wants to stretch and strengthen. I think that's what Philippians says when it says, work out your salvation. You've got your salvation in you, but you've got you, you to work it out. And trust, and trust, and, and, and give bigger, and give bigger, and, and speak up, and be kinder, and not let... When I broke my ribs, and the first time I sneezed, <laughs> a word I'm sitting next to Rosemary a word came out of my mouth that I haven't used in 40 years and she looked over and burst out laughing I know it's in there still somewhere yeah it's in there it's in there and you I think Lord you let these ribs get cracked just to show me how capable I am of still sinning throw your net on the other side Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding because my understanding is just, you fish at night, this is morning. Ah, wow. Then in verse 7, then the disciple, remember this is written by John, and anytime you see in here the disciple whom Jesus loved, it's John. He just never says his name. He's so humble. I, that parenthesis I put in. The disciple Jesus loved said to Peter, it's the Lord. 
And when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his tunic, for he had stripped the work. I have no idea what that means. I, I can't get out of my head. There's five naked men in a fishing boat. Uh, no, no wonder they're all facing out. I, this is whatever it is. I, it may be just down to whatever it is they wear. For he had stripped for work, jumped into the water, and swam to shore. Sixth lesson. Identify God in your journey and acknowledge his hand. I, I know it's Jesus who did this, who filled the nets. Identify him, identify him. It, it, was, it was several years ago when I realized one of the ministries, we've got five ministries here, and I realized there's really a sixth ministry, and the sixth ministry is to tell the story. Look what Jesus did, look what Jesus did, look what Jesus did. Look what we got at the exact moment we needed. Tell the story, tell the story, tell the story, Bob, because it's going to give people confidence. And watching uh, service providers and people uh, that take care of us uh, come, and watching those people from uh, Trader Joe's come and say, we can't give you food anymore. And, uh, and, and we're, why? Um, because you're coming in two pickup trucks and, and the vegetables are exposed and the fruit's exposed. We just, you, need, you have to have a panel truck to pick up food. The day before, Greg Wallach, Best Roofing, had given us a panel truck. And if you go out the side gate, you see a black panel truck sitting in the back lot, given to us. And uh, we got to tell him the story that, because these two ladies, yesterday, yeah, we got it yesterday. Can we? I showed her a picture. She said, "You're kidding." And one of the two, uh, as they were walking away, turned around, and came back. Can I? Can I just come and talk to you? The things he does, he does so that we give him the glory. And Greg, Greg got so jacked over this panel truck uh, story that he called the next month and said, "Do you want another panel truck?" And I said, "No, but how about for uh, Roby's church?" And he said, oh, I know about Rogers. West Pine. I'd rather give it to him anyway. West Pine's okay. <laughs> literally said that. Make it, make it happen. Make it happen. And just, how do you? He owns it all. And he loves you, he loves you more than Sheridan House. Sheridan House isn't going to heaven. It's just a piece of property. And there will be a time when we're all saying, wow, it's getting run down. Yeah. Wow. Acknowledge. Acknowledge. Yeah. Seventh, celebrate. Stop what you're doing and put a radical focus on God. There are times we just have to celebrate the, the, what he's done. Yeah, jumped into the water and swam ashore. And the fun thing is, uh, when, they, when he gets ashore, and this is for another time, when he gets ashore, Jesus is already cooking fish. And you go, where did he get, get the fish? And he says a cool thing to them when the boat gets ashore. He says, get some of your fish and bring it. I don't need your little tithe. I don't need your offering. But I'm going to let you play a part. Bring some of your fish too. He needs nothing from you. It's your worship. It's your absolute worship. Yeah. Finally, celebrate the blessor, not the blessing. Celebrate the blessor, the one who has blessed you, not the amazing that he's given you and done in your life. And isn't it interesting, the more you let go, the more he can trust you with. So I got to meet a man named Fred Roach. You've got to be around South Florida a long time to know the name Fred Roach. And uh, he ended up being Secretary of Treasury for Reagan. 
uh, but Fred Roach had a company in Miami. He decided, I can live on this much, and I'll add a percentage a year. Uh, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna live on what this company grows to. And he ended up, uh, in his final days, giving 90% of his annual income away uh, and living on 10%. And he was a legend down there. And just getting with him, and I mean, he was just so incredibly humble. And I had a friend who knew him, I didn't know him. Could I just meet him for lunch or something? And I realized halfway through the lunch, I had so many questions I want to ask him, but he's asking me so many questions about me that he's taking all the focus off of him. And I said, you're doing this on purpose, aren't you? And he said, uh, what? I'm not getting to ask you questions. And he said, yeah, because you're like everybody else. You think I made this money. I didn't make this money. God trusted me with this money because I gave and I gave and I gave. Yeah. He knows the plans he has for you. He's got the vantage point. He can see over the horizon. Trust him with all your heart and lean not to your, well, what if the economy tanks, Lord, on, on understanding? And he'll direct your path.